0: Okay, so why don't we get started? Um, um, I want to welcome everyone to uh, um, to this webinar. Uh, those of you who have been following Sapir uh, now in its uh, sixth uh, issue, a year and a half or uh, over a year and a half of uh, publication, will know that as uh, part of what we are trying to do with this quarterly, um, is to have um, really in-depth, uh, interactive conversations with at least some of our authors. I wish we could do all of them, um, but we try to we try to do at least um, we try to do at least a few. And the way this uh, works is um, uh, is that uh, I will have a conversation with the author, uh, Bethany Mandel, for the next uh, forty minutes or so. Um, but we are very eager to make sure that uh, the questions from our uh, audience are, are um, included and asked. So there is a chat function uh, at the bottom of your screen. There's also a QA and a function. I'm going to be monitoring uh, both of them, as, as is one of my uh, colleagues from Sapir. And so um, as questions occur to you in the audience, um, Put them in the chat, and I'll do my best uh, to ask them. And and in the spirit of of what we're trying to do, I promise I won't only ask the softball questions. I'll ask the tougher questions too. And I'm sure that I'm sure that Bethany can uh, can can handle them with uh, with a plum. So um, uh, let me introduce you to um, uh, Bethany Mandel, um, who is a contributor to. Our sixth issue, as you can see, I'm holding it in my hands. It is a gorgeously produced uh, product. And that reminds me to say that if you want to get a hold of um, the the paper copy of Sapir, we are happy to supply you with it free of charge. All you have to do is send us your mailing address. So if that's another thing that interests you, be sure to uh, give us your mailing address. You can even put it in the chat function. I'm sure everyone here is um, very nice and uh, won't, won't misuse your mailing address. And um, uh, and uh, and that way you can you you can see that Sapir is is a physical product as well as um, as a virtual one. Bethany, um, you do something that um, I think most of us who uh, are parents would have at least until um, relatively recently, maybe until the COVID pandemic have considered um, sort of insane, or at least extreme. Um, you, you homeschool your kids, and you've been doing it now for, for, uh, for several years. Um, uh, why don't we just begin in the broadest sense, can you just summarize the advantages of homeschooling and don't stint also on the question of the disadvantages.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my, I have five children I'm pregnant with our sixth um, he's Congratulations. Due, thanks yeah so he's doing mid December, Um so my oldest is she just started third grade. Uh, then my next is uh, second grade, and then my third is just starting kindergarten, and then I have a three-year-old and a baby. And um, I first started thinking about homeschooling. This is, I swear I'm answering your question. Um, I first started thinking about homeschooling because we're journalists and are not rich, and we wanted to have the number of kids that we have, if not more, um and so we kind of thought looked at the day school situation as it stood and we're not comfortable um prostrating ourselves for financial aid and couldn't afford it probably even if even if they did offer us enough um we like to save money we have savings accounts for all of our kids and retirement accounts and all of those things and so financially it just didn't it didn't seem viable to have the size family that we wanted um and and send them to school. And so we started thinking about the alternatives. And um I try I'm a conservative political person, sort of in my other hat. And so a lot of the people that I followed on social media were homeschoolers. They were Christian. And so I sort of looked at their lives that are, you know, the Instagram pretty version of it. And it looked really nice. And a lot of that is true. Um the sort of advantages for us with homeschooling um my kids are together all the time their closest social interactions are with each other that is a good thing and it is a bad thing because they fight a lot they don't have a break from each other and that is a good thing and a bad thing because they really need to work their stuff out and they're on each other's nerves a lot um but ultimately who would i rather my children have a close relationship with the random kid down the street who i might not approve of them and their parenting or whatever or their siblings and i
0: choose i choose their siblings well let me ask Um, you about that uh, if i can interrupt for a moment yeah Um, please because one of the key one of the common i don't want to say key but one of the common arguments against homeschooling is that it um, prevents exactly what you're describing as a virtue, which is the socialization that happens when you interact with kids whose um, background upbringing is not quite you know, like your own. And after all, right. that is going yeah. to be their life at some point in the future.
1: So in my piece, I first reference my friend who called me crazy before COVID and said, this is crazy. And over the course of our conversations, I said this exactly, that I like being able to limit the social circle that my kids have to only good kids. And she kind of sat back and was like, my kid is friends with kids who watch pornography on their phones. Their parents gave them iPhones and he's been exposed to pornography at eight, nine years old. And that's normal. If you look at the data of when a child is first exposed to pornography, that is a normal age, especially for a boy. Um, that's not a good thing. There's no upside for me there. Um, And so my kids have a really wide social circle of neighbors who I like, one of whom is here right now watching, um, and other homeschoolers and kids who go to school, kids who go to camp with them, but the kids with whom they're forming real relationships, I have some veto power over. And speaking as a kid who was not the kid that you wanted your kids to be friends with, I don't want my kids to be friends with kids like me because I didn't have a good upbringing. And I, that corrosive, um, corrosive sort of ness of me as a kid, because I didn't have a great childhood bled into my, my friend's innocence. And that's, that's not something I want for my own children. And I'm, I'm sorry for kids that might not have a great social situation, but that's, I, I'm not willing to expose my children to pornography or to video games. I mean, one of her other problems was that her son was awake at three o'clock in the morning sneaking video games because that's what his friends were doing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so, I I like that. I'm. I mean, people sort of ask, well, what about the socialization? And I say it's a feature, not a bug.
0: I see. So. Um... Let me ask you about this also in terms of your own career. I want to get back to your your children and how they've adapted to it. but the, the career for you and 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 your husband, you're a writer, you're 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 a journalist that's that's uh, an advantage yeah. some of us have that I mean, mm-hmm. uh, we we can that's, you know, write from anywhere. Uh, you know oh. it's it's a particular uh, it's a it's a particular advantage, but it's not one that everyone has so is this is homeschooling kind of a uh, something for just a a certain class of um, creatives who who can manage to do everything from home
1: so it's definitely helpful is my answer to you so of the other parents in my community that homeschool um one of them is a nurse and so she sort of one of the nice things about homeschooling is that she can do a session of homeschooling on a Sunday if she's working on a Tuesday afternoon. So it's it's very mobile that she can do it whenever. And so she takes shifts um, and she works part-time and she does, and she homeschools also. Uh, the times where if it's the middle of the day and she's taking a shift, she'll get childcare or her husband will be working from home and he'll take that, he'll take a PTO half day or whatever. Um, and so they, they're able to have that flexibility. Um, another one of our homeschool friends how she's taking income in is that she runs a part-time preschool program out of her basement and she's already doing preschool stuff with her children. And so she takes in an extra five kids, my children are two of them. And, um, and she does activities with all of her children. She has eight and she brings in an extra five um, and her older children are helping her. It's not like she has
0: you know all these kids that so she has is to deal you're with. Describing this like is like what 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 I was nearly tempted to do during the pandemic, which is form a pod, right?
1: Kind of, yeah. Except we're paying her. It's yeah. very it's a one way relationship. We're giving her our children, and you know, and paying her money. Um, and so there's there's a lot of ways that people are able to bring in income. Is is the answer to my question? Um, and there's other people who are just straight stay-at-home mothers and they're surviving on one income. And the conversations that I've had with them, they're like, you know, if we sent our four kids to school, my take-home pay would be the same because of the tuition aspect. Uh so what's what's the difference? And I'm I'm kind of coming at it from an orthodox perspective. Um, but where we live, our local zoned elementary school, third graders last year, they did the testing in 2021 only 7.5% of them are testing on level for english so in my mind the public Virginia, school is not an option maryland maryland yeah so it's right down the road 7.5% of kids are testing on level so
0: i don't think um, that's an option uh, 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 this always feels a little intrusive because obviously homeschooling uh, asking about homeschooling involves asking about questions about your 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 home life but how much of the homeschooling is done by you and how much is done by your husband? Zero percent is done by my husband. I love him very much, <laughs> but he he does... You don't trust him with a job or... or? No,
1: it's just, it, I mean, he he works full time and that's just, he, he does a lot of arts and crafts things with the kids. He has more patience for the like, now you thread the needle and I'm like, I can't take this, I can't do it. And so he does arts and crafts with the kids on weekends. I don't consider that homeschooling, but it kind of is. I mean, the nice thing about homeschooling is that school can be whenever, however, in whatever way. And so he does a lot of arts and crafts projects with the kids that I don't have patience for. But everything else I do, that being said, my kids take a lot of classes. Um, I should have printed it. Let me pull it off my phone. But this year, my daughter is doing sewing class and an Irish dance class um my son my my older son does occupational therapy so that's an hour of my life plus the drive back and forth and the two of them together are doing violin classes an art class taekwondo class and something else I don't remember mm-hmm. pottery maybe I don't remember yeah. but we, they do a lot of classes is is the bottom line um and I, I can't teach them the violin. I don't, can't teach them Taekwondo. And all of these classes that they're doing, we have the time for it. If, if we didn't homeschool, there's no way my children would be taking this many extra classes because we just wouldn't have time in the day. Um, and so they're meeting friends at the pottery class, at the Irish dance class, at the sewing class. Um, and they're having a great time.
0: Now, let me ask you, you you started homeschooling from the very beginning. Um, you tell a story in your essay about a, a, a couple who, who who declared over a Shabbat lunch that, that they could never do that. And then a few months into the pandemic, they called back uh, to hear more about it. And now they are uh, uh, happy homeschoolers. And you talk mm-hmm. about how it changed their family dynamics, schedule and household budget. For for some people who are listening in on this call and sort of thinking about this, making the transition away from some kind of uh, schooling to to going to, to 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 going home, tell them something about how that will change the family dynamic. I mean, based on the experience of your friend friends, and mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm assuming many others, you know.
1: Yeah. So the the family dynamics, I mean, their son wasn't hanging out with those kids every day who were showing him pornography and talking about sneaking onto video games at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And so there was a much more natural separation because he wasn't seeing those kids every day and his behavior changed not overnight, but over the course of a year, I watched it. And it was really incredible to watch because he went from, um, pretty snippy nasty you know I I think normal within the realm of normal how Um, old is this child it's in fifth grade this year so So it was like
0: 11 yeah
1: yeah. um and now he's a total delight I I like I want to just like kiss his face and be like you're a wonderful kid now Mm -hmm. um but I wouldn't because he's 12 year old (laughs) um but he, his demeanor changed, his relationship with his parents. I watched it change. It was very, um, it was very combative before, and now it's not. Um, his relationship with his mother is much better. I don't see as much with his father, but I assume it's the same. Um, and his circle of friends now is mostly the other kids who homeschool in the neighborhood. Um, and they're all wonderful boys. And so that family dynamics, um, changed so drastically for the better, Um, but also his relationship with his siblings because he saw them much more frequently. And he felt a sense of ownership and responsibility over his younger sisters that he didn't have before because she needs his help. She says, can you go read with your sister so that I can put the baby to nap? And so, whereas they were kind of ships passing in the night, him and his younger siblings who were significantly younger Relatively, I mean, five years or so. um, Now he feels a sense of responsibility over um, and a sense of affection that he didn't have. And so I see the dynamic between their oldest son and the the younger siblings improved a great deal as well. Um, And they were able, for a lot of reasons, to have a fifth child and bring that fifth child in. Um, But one of the most sort of critical was their finances. Um, Her husband shared with me. he's he's an engineer and so this is how his brain works he had made a spreadsheet of tuition projections from and from that moment until their youngest who at the time was their fourth child was going to graduate high school and so he did projections of how much the tuition would raise if it was you know 1.5% and and how much money he was going to spend ultimately on just their education tuition dollars and now they take really nice family vacations. They've been doing renovations on their home. They, you know, he, he, they recently replaced like all of their windows, all of their doors, their hot water heater, whatever. And he was like, that was not even one tuition. Like we have this money that we didn't have before and they're able to take ba- family vacations. And so they just did a beautiful trip to Israel recently that they never would have been able to afford had they been sending their kid to private schools.
0: You you describe how homeschooling works, uh, and and as you're describing it, it sounds idyllic. Um, uh, talk a little bit about the things that are harder to integrate into homeschooling. I, I guess you're not quite at the stage where physics or chemistry, um, or or calculus, um, uh, is is coming in, in into play, but inevitably that's going to happen. And you may I don't know about you in particular, but many parents will be challenged with, with subjects that are, are beyond their, their, their abilities.
1: Yeah. I mean, I already am sewing. I I can't sew, Mm um, Irish dance, violin. Um, I outsource it. And it's the same with Judaics. I probably could do a halfway decent job with Judaics, but I don't want my kids to have halfway decent. I want them to have really good. And so I've signed my kids up for a whole host of classes, both online and off. The online stuff I mentioned in the piece is is on Zoom. Um, But I outsource it and I imagine that come that time, I will be able to outsource that stuff too because it already exists and homeschooling is growing every year. Uh, But there's incredible resources online. Uh, There's one, latin class that i can't wait to sign my kids up for in probably three years or so and it's a full year latin course with a former professor of latin at a university who decided to homeschool her children and this is how she's bringing in extra money is she's teaching two sessions every day of latin to homeschool children on zoom
0: um so, well, that's 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 good for me to know, as I have a younger <laughs> child who's who's who's, who's studying uh, Latin, a very good thing to study, or I, or or so I thought. This is a bit of a digression because I always assume that there are classics departments at, at elite universities desperate for people with some basis in Latin, but now now the classics departments are dropping Latin and Greek yeah. as a requirement of classics, uh, which makes you wonder, you know, what what's left but but that's that's uh, that that's for another time um uh you say you finish all of this by lunchtime um uh, that seems almost uh unimaginable um uh, especially because you're not getting everyone out of bed at the crack crack of dawn so how much do you how do you fit it all in
1: so I have a checklist per day um today we didn't finish everything um they have uh their zoom classes later in the afternoon and so i'm kind of like you know what we could we could have barreled ahead and finished math for uh two of my three kids haven't finished math yet and i said you know what let's just do that after lunch and so that's what we're gonna do um but for the most part um you know i've i've three kids now doing homeschool which is the first time i've had this i my, my third is in kindergarten this year and so it's an adjustment Having a third kid in the mix um, who really needs a lot of one-on-one attention, and so I can speak to last year. But if I'm being honest, I don't know if that's going to be the same this year because I've added that third kid in. Um, but for last year, my kids, my older two kids, are only a year apart, and uh, sort of developmentally are in a very similar place. Um, my son is is my second is quite advanced in a lot of ways, and so the only things that they do separate. Um, our math for the most part, everything else they're doing at, at the same level. And so, you know, we spend 15 minutes on math each. Uh, I, I a long time ago, 12, 13 years ago, I was a fifth grade teacher in Cambodia, teaching fifth grade, but to Cambodian children. And I had a classroom of 25 children and math is my best example of sort of explaining how things can be so truncated in a homeschool. I had an hour to do a math lesson that I do in 15 minutes when I homeschool. But the difference when I had 25 kids was when I did a math lesson in a classroom, I had five kids who instantly instantly got it. I had five kids who probably were never going to get it. And then I had 15 kids in the middle. And those kids on the margins were not being served in in a fair way. The kids Mm -hmm. who were more advanced should have had more one-on-one time to keep on going. And I really wanted more time in the day to sit down with those bottom five kids who just sat there in tears a lot. Um, and I I did pull them aside as best as I could, but I can't spend two and a half hours when on three kids when everyone else is done. That's you just can't break yourself into pieces like so that as, is, as a classroom this, so, teacher.
0: So this is some new information. You did have a background in, mm-hmm. in teaching. What is it that a parent who doesn't have that kind of background Uh, who hasn't, you know, that didn't have that particular life experience, should they, uh, should, can they prepare for it in any way? It wasn't,
1: it wasn't helpful, honestly. It's such a different dynamic. It wasn't, it's not helpful at all to me to have had that experience because it's such a different experience teaching to a classroom of 25 children of, you know, varying skill levels than my own child, that it's, It's completely, completely different. And in no way do I think it helped me in any way. Um, But so for the middle 15 kids, uh, it it took 45 minutes and I would have to circle the room and make sure that I was helping all of them stay on track. I was trying to give the five kids who were bored extra work so that they didn't feel like they were bored out of their minds. And the five kids at the bottom, I just kind of rubbed their back and I was like, we'll try to talk about this during lunch break. And I know that you're lost and that's okay. And we'll figure this out. So, and that, that's why an hour math class took an hour because I was, I was sort of ministering to all of those different needs. Whereas with a child who is mine one-on-one and I know exactly where they are and what they're getting, what they're not getting we can move a lot faster and we're a lot more efficient. Um, so math takes with my children 15 minutes each. Um, some of them it takes longer, but most of them it doesn't. Most it's like 10, 15 minutes. And um, and then the rest of everything that we do, we do together. We would read a book together. We would uh, do a, a cooking project together. We would, whatever whatever we were doing on the list of things we had to do that day, my older two were doing together now this year. Yeah. Um, with my, with my kindergartner in the mix, um, they're also involved in helping him as well. Um, we, I, I tried to sort of get them involved and invested in helping him. And so I bought them a sight word bingo game that they could play with him. And so trying to incorporate him into our homeschool is, you know, a learning process and we're only a week into it, but, um, but that is taking a little bit longer than it was last year.
0: Um quick question, uh, when, when, you, when a parent decides to declare independence from uh, schooling, public or private, um, is there a bureaucratic procedure they have to attend to?
1: Yeah, so it depends on your state is the answer. Um, there's a resource called HSLDA, Homeschool Legal Defense Association. Um, we're members, you don't have to be. Uh, but on their website, if you Google HSLDA and your state, it will tell you the the legal hoops that you have to jump through. Um, Surprisingly, New Jersey, there's next to none. Uh, New York, there's a fair amount. Uh, Maryland, there's somewhere in between. Um, It it depends on the state is the answer. Um, There are some hoops, but surprisingly, the state of New Jersey doesn't even care to know your child exists. So you can go from, it's, it's a wide spectrum of, of state laws.
0: One of the things that you emphasize is that financially it makes obvious sense for people who would otherwise be sending, uh, who'd be paying uh, private school tuitions uh, because they are uh, either observant Jews or they simply don't wanna be a part of their of, of public school life to, to homeschool. How would you describe the financial trade-off for people who would otherwise be sending their kids to public schools? Um, uh, uh, that they have taxes to pay for anyway. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a very different calculus for sure. Um, if if the school is adequate, I mean, my local public school is not adequate uh, and it's not an option as far as I'm concerned. Um, I don't want my kids learning in a room with children who can't read. Um, for kids who are in a functioning public school, it's a harder, it's something, it's, it's harder to sell it to them. And, mm-hmm. I, and I recognize that. Um, for us, it's not just the finances. And and it's funny because I was talking to my, my neighbor who actually is in this chat right now, and they're thinking about homeschooling and their sort of number one impetus is the finances. And I said, if that's if that's what's making you think about doing this, that's a mistake. You, this cannot just be a financial question because this is such a drastic lifestyle shift that it can't be driven just by finances. Um, and so, I, finances was what got us thinking about homeschooling and it was our gateway into homeschooling, but it, it cannot be the only thing. And for us, it's, it's a family choice and it's a family lifestyle that, um, that we really enjoy. We really like having this, this relationship with our children and that they have it with each other. Um, but it, it's, it's very much not just, it can't just be driven by finances or it won't work.
0: You quote the late educational theorist uh, John Taylor uh, Gatto, who was a very successful public school teacher, who who, who uh, famously rejected the whole notion of compulsory schooling. Um, do you really mean we should leave it up to parents as to whether as to whether and how much education their kids get, and if so, why?
1: So, I think that everyone watching this and who cares enough to be in, involved enough to be watching a Sapir webinar at noon on a Monday should be trusted. Mm -hmm. Do I think every parent should be trusted? No. During the pandemic, I was extremely vocal about the importance of opening the public schools. And people thought it was really weird because I homeschool. And the answer is, I I did not have a great home life as a kid and I needed school and my mom needed me to be in school. I was raised by a single mother and my home life was not stable and not ideal. I think that there, I think that homeschooling is a component of an educational solution, but it is not the solution. It doesn't work for a lot of people for any number of reasons, and it's really an individual decision. Um, I, you know, I'm rah-rah homeschooling, but only if it makes sense for individual families. And I think that um, there are people who homeschool who shouldn't be. Um, but I think that there's also public and private schools that are not doing a great job either. I mean, it doesn't mean that everything is perfect, Um, but I I think that it's it's an option that a lot of people who it really genuinely might work for, they just haven't considered it because in our social circles in the Jewish world, we don't, (laughs) it doesn't exist.
0: Yeah, yeah. I want to talk about a couple more things before we turn it over to the to our audience uh questions the first is that it seems as if relatively few jewish families are homeschooling are homeschooling families and the ones that and and and, and that um one sees it more among religious uh christian families is, mm-hmm. is that a fair characterization oh, 100 and why don't more jewish families homeschool
1: so i think it's a chicken or the egg thing
0: mm-hmm. i think
1: that it's the number of people who have come up to me and said, "I never considered homeschooling until I saw you do it." I more numerous than I could possibly count, and the reason that I first started well, well, how considering
0: it. Put a number on that.
1: I mean, in my personal life, yeah. people that I know in real life, mm-hmm. ten.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, maybe more. I mean, I know people. N- if I'm counting non-Jews, probably fifteen to twenty. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of the people that I went to high school with are homeschooling now and they've told me that it was you know they followed me on Instagram and they kind of were watching it and, and I'm honest on Instagram I'm like oh well this was a disaster like this picture looks super idyllic but then my children like beat each other into pieces like I, I think I'm honest on Instagram um, so I, I think that it's a chicken or the egg thing but I think also there there is a culture of I mean, going back a hundred years, to to Jews doing more school than than their secular or non Jewish peers. Um, so there is uh, there is a history of uh, really rigorous group education in Judaism that doesn't really exist in the secular world. So a lot of a lot of Jan- John Taylor's arg- John Taylor Gatto's arguments about how school is sort of artificial doesn't work perfectly in the Jewish context, because we've always had yeshivas, we've always have cheder, uh, people have always learned in group contexts, but it's very different now than it was then. Uh, School now, in the Jewish sense, doesn't look like it did 150 years ago. And I think that we've lost something special by mirroring the model that is happening in the public schools by, you know the bell rings and you go from one class to another and you're with only kids who are exactly the same age. I mean, if we're talking about socialization, that's a really weird social experience that is not replicated in real life, that you're moving from class to class to class with people who are born within six months of you on either side. Um, so I, I think that there's that social aspect also of culturally we've done school in a way always. Um, and that's not to say that we can't recreate that. If you homeschool, um, there's a local yeshiva here. There's actually two a boys, boys program, and then a mixed gender program. Um, I live in Silver Spring, and they're both open to homeschoolers. And so people are going to learn in a group setting like they would have at there 150 years ago and uh, mixed ages, mixed uh, abilities. And so there's there's group learning still, um, just not in a school building.
0: Let me, last question before we turn it over to the audience, which is what has this meant for your own career as a writer and journalist? Um, um, Clearly your raising of your children just from the, our conversation, seems to be your your first, second, and third priority. Um, but do you feel that you have um, not had the time, space, opportunity that you might have otherwise had if if your children were simply um, elsewhere from from eight a.m. to three p.m. or whatever it is?
1: Yes. Yeah, I I've been offered full time opportunities that were really enticing mm-hmm. and um and there's been other opportunities that were not even full time that I just realistically I couldn't take on um, my parents both died when I was in my teens and um, that had a way of changing my perspective on life. Um, if I were to be given the choice, and I am given the choice, because what I'm doing is my choice, it's not, my husband's not sort of putting it on me. Um, he's always been very open to whatever you want to do, if you want to, you know, when I've had these job offers, you know, if you want to think about it, and the answer is I'm happier. And there's something more to me than my career and our financial situation, um, although our financial situation would probably even out, even if they did go to school, Um but it's, it's also a quality of life aspect. And I would rather spend my days with my kids than not.
0: Wonderful answer. So now we're going to go over to to questions and I'm going to get to as many as, as I can. So far we have 13 in uh, the chat. So if, if you're listening in and you have questions, be sure to get them in so we can get to them. Uh, Jennifer Melvin uh, thanks you for your willingness to speak on homeschooling. Um, question If your children could choose for themselves between homeschooling and an excellent public or religious school, which do you think they might choose and why? Can you repeat that? So, if your children had the choice, is the question. Oh, if my children had the reason? choice.
1: Yeah. So, um, my children are, so we follow an educational philosophy called the Charlotte Mason method, philosophy, whatever. And her sort of main thing is like children are born persons. They are born as people. <laughs> They're all individual people. So I'll have to give you an answer based on the child. My oldest daughter is almost nine and she's extremely social. Um, she would do well in school. And I think that she would enjoy it. And she's expressed that to me as well. She thrives at camp. She We send them to camp and she loves it. And I've asked her, and we've had lots of conversations about school. Um, today, one of her best friends had her first day, and we were still sitting in our pajamas eating breakfast. And I saw my, you know, my best friend post pictures of her daughters getting dropped off at school, and I said, "You know, the X Y Z family—they just got dropped off at school." And she's like, "We haven't even breakfast yet." I'm like, "Yes, that is true. That 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 to her is is a really big." Selling point, if, and
0: if and one this, of your this is a follow on, I'm I'm adding one of my own. But if one yeah. of your kids felt powerfully that they wanted to go to a school, would you be okay with that?
1: I would if it were adequate, and I don't think that we have options here at the moment. Um, just looking realistically at the lay of the land as far as the public school quality. Um, There's a couple of Jewish schools that some of them I would be comfortable with, a lot of them I wouldn't be for various reasons. And so we, I I would be open to it, but I would, it would be a tough sell because there's, our our options are not great.
0: But I would be open to it is my answer. So um, this is more a statement than a question, but uh, there's a question in there somewhere. Moshe Smith writes: This is this all sounds really nice, but some parents just aren't good teachers. My mother homeschooled me for freshman year, uh, uh, I assume of high school, and it went horribly. So, how, how would you what would you say to Moshe?
1: So, I think that, um, and I, I was telling this to a friend yesterday. Homeschooling is basically full time parenting,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you have to make sure that your parent child relationship is on strong footing and healthy before you introduce the homeschooling aspect. Um, there's, I don't know what happened with Moshe. Um, there's a lot of reasons why it might not have gone well. Um, but it's, I mean, it's not a solution for everyone. Is just the truth. Um, but I think that people have um, a not quite accurate understanding of of the the role switching that happens, um, I'm still mom. I'm the, I don't like take different hats, and I'm like now I'm your teacher. It's a lot of reading out loud. It's a lot of conversation. It's a lot of manipulatives with math and talking about things. Um, we um, I, I'm not lecturing to them. It's not. It's not. It doesn't feel like a classroom, um, and so that can go one of two ways. If we have a good, healthy relationship. Uh, it can go well uh if we don't it cannot go well and that's not to say that just because i happen to have a good relationship with my children that i don't make them cry i made my daughter cry today <laughs> sometimes that happens and sometimes that happens not in school let
0: me let me ask you 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 in your article mentioned that you lean on some educational resources that are becoming available to uh to homeschoolers what are you using and and uh how much do you lean on it
1: um so do you mean like sort of outsourcing or like actual physical resources like lesson
0: plans that kind of thing Mm -hmm.
1: okay so So I have a couple things next to me I like grabbed my homeschool bag because we're hiding in my basement while we're doing renovations um so for some things I do pretty scripted um this is my uh kindergartner's phonics stuff. Yeah. And so we follow it lesson by lesson. Um, I follow it, um, I follow it pretty closely, um, because um, I think that phonics is not intuitive. And um, the woman who developed this curriculum uh, has been doing it for years and and I trust that expertise. Another thing that I follow very closely, uh, is our math curriculum. This is also kindergarten, um, because I'm not the strongest with math, and I I blame that on my education honestly. Um, and so this is very scripted, and we stick to the script for the most part. Um, everything else, um, we pick and choose what we do, and there's so much out there that you can choose from as far as curriculum. Um, that we, you know, we take curriculum. Um, You know, the geography and history uh, curriculum, sort of the more uh, social science stuff. And um, and that's a lot more fluid. And I kind of look at it and there we're studying France right now. And so I look at it. I'm like, okay, we'll do this. Let's skip this. Let's spend seven weeks on art and go to the National Gallery, because that's where we live. Um, But I I don't follow that like gospel the same way I do with
0: the math and the phonics. Howard Lupovich asks, how much would a more affordable day school change your calculus in a normal non pandemic situation would addressing the excessively high cost of day schools be a more um, Occam's razor. Uh, uh, not sure that's the right use of what well, anyway uh, solution to the challenge of providing a quality education to our children,
1: so I think that homeschooling is a component of solving the day school crisis, but it is not a solution to the day school crisis. I think that a lot of parents need affordable quality, uh, not ideological. I'm like trying not to like take off people in my community, but- um, Say what you want. I there, there's There's a school that, ideologically is not a fit for our ideology. So that's off the table for us. So we need, we need both. I think that we need a solid day school infrastructure and we also need more acceptance of homeschooling and more resources in the homeschool community. Uh, there's a school here locally who accept homeschool students for one-off a la carte classes. I would love that option at all the schools. And uh, instead it's a lot more hostile at the other school, like truly hostile at other schools to the point where someone pulled their kids out of school when it was Zoom school. And when she told someone that who went to their child's school, they walked away and never spoke to them again. There's an incredible amount of hostility in the private school community, in the day school community towards homeschooling uh, that I wish didn't exist.
0: Um, uh, let's see, uh, Joshua Triber, there are lots of questions here, including many very good questions from uh, 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 the same people, I, w- I wish I could ask them all, but let me let me get to different people. Joshua Triber asks, how, how do you recommend finding other homeschool families in your area to possibly joint venture with?
1: So we have that in our community, it's wonderful, and it's something that we've built over time. Um, we have Jewish homeschoolers and non-Jewish homeschoolers and we organize on WhatsApp and on Facebook groups. Um, and the nice thing about forming these sort of communities of people is that when you meet Emily, Emily introduces you to Olga and Olga introduces you to Rachel, and then you kind of have a group text about, making sure that all of your kids are in the same pottery class together. Those are all of my friends' real names and something we really do. Like we make sure that our kids are all in the same pottery class together. Um, But it it involves a lot of organizing. Um, And the nice thing, we have a WhatsApp group for the Jewish homeschoolers here where I live in Silver Spring and people have different passions and different interests. And we take things on, um, very organically. And so I'm really passionate about the arts. And so I've been organizing trips to the National Gallery, to the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra. Um, and so I will say, there's a homeschool, sh- um, th- it's not a homeschool show, but they're doing a school program at the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra and they're selling the tickets to homeschoolers as well. I'm gonna organize that for all of us, Tell how many, how many people in your family wanna go and I'll buy, and I ended up buying 65 tickets and you can Venmo me. And so we do that for so many different things. Um, one friend organized a sewing class for all of our kids. Another friend organized an art class, yada, yada. You get the idea. Um, but it's a slow build over time and you have to make those connections. And that's, you know, social media and word of mouth and getting into those circles is very helpful.
0: Stephen Flatto asks, um, Mrs. Mandel, you mentioned Orthodox education. Do you feel that you're doing as good a job of um, educating your children about Shabbat, Yom Tov, and the hagim as you would get if um, they shared them with other students in a yeshiva? So
1: those three very specific examples, yes.
0: I do think that they're getting it because
1: we're doing it at home also and we go to shul. If I'm answering your question honestly and more broadly, are my children getting an an equal education in humash and in Hebrew as their day school peers? No, they are not. And I'm just gonna to be totally honest with you. They do online classes twice a week in Humash and in Hebrew. Um, our Hebrew instruction is our weakest link at the moment because they're not immersed in the same way that they would be in a day school setting. And that's how you learn a language. And so that is the weakest link for us. Um, I At the end of the day, is that a make or break for me? No, but I understand how that might be for a lot of people. And also, it's not as super high as a priority for me as it is for other people. And if it is a super duper high priority for you, then you can fill those gaps in a way that I probably can't because I don't have that background and you probably
0: do. Um, uh, Lois Weiner wants to ask about the expenses and paying for all these classes your kids are taking.
1: So um, it's not cheap, but it's also a fraction of what it would be for one of them to go to school privately. Um my the violin teacher uh is doing a 2 for 1 for us. Uh, so mm-hmm. I'm sending two of my kids and I'm only paying for one of them because I'm paying for the hour so I can send two. Um a lot of these other classes I'm getting cheaper than they they have a they have sort of a during the day rate and they have an afternoon and and you kind of have to be a little pushy about it and be like, so I see that your price is $200, but I mean, how, if we, if we made a homeschool classroom in the middle of the day on a Wednesday, could we maybe knock it down a little bit? And so there's some negotiation involved. If I were to put a number on how much money I'm spending, not, not including camp, which is a whole other, when everyone has to spend that. So I'm not going to include camp, but if I were to put a number on, my three kids doing extra classes like sewing, Irish dance, art, all those things, and also their Zoom Judaic classes. I would put the total at about ten thousand dollars for the year.
0: Wow. Um, Rachel or Rachel H asks, "How do you advise parents who want to prepare for homeschooling in the far in the in the farther future? I have a nine month old. Congratulations, and I'm interested in doing Jewish homeschooling someday." I'm especially interested in your advice on freelancing part-time around a homeschooling schedule.
1: So um, I was just having this conversation via Twitter direct message with someone today. And my number one piece of advice is to spend the early years figuring out what kind of homeschool you want to have because there's a lot of different philosophies and ideologies. There's Charlotte Mason, which is what we follow. It's uh, very literature-based. It's very uh, deep into the arts. So we talk a lot about art. We talk a lot of, we listen to a lot of classical music. It's, it's a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, there's unschooling. There's Waldorf. Um, there is uh, classical. Um, and so I would spend time thinking about what you want your homeschool to be and what you want it to look like. Um, I also really, really caution parents. And this is, I'm speaking from experience and I caution people away from doing it. Don't start too early and don't push too hard. That was the number one mistake that I made with my oldest daughter, who is unfortunately the guinea pig in everything that I do, uh, parenting and schooling, um, because I started her on reading too early and she grew to feel like crap about herself because she wasn't getting it because she wasn't developmentally ready yet. Um, And uh, it it just, it led to a lot of conflict and a lot of bad feelings on her part that were just unnecessary because she just wasn't developmentally ready. And I should have, I should have just sat back a little bit. Um, And so play is so important at that age and reading aloud. Uh, If I were to send any new parent home with a book, homeschooling or not, like you have your baby and you go home from the hospital, it's uh, Jim Trelease, the read aloud handbook, the science behind the power of reading out loud, even if you never homeschool, is so incredible from a brain science perspective. I just can't recommend it enough. And there's a lot of books in that genre, um, but Jim Treleese is sort of a great starting point.
0: This is a long uh, note and it's not quite a question, but um, I'd like to hear your reaction to it. Um, uh, an anonymous attendee um, says, I'm as conservative as anyone politically. I also have cerebral palsy. When I grew up in the 1950s and 60s, children like me were sent to special schools. I didn't go to a regular neighborhood school until I was in grade eight. I look and sound very different. I'm absolutely convinced my life would have been much easier if people would have been exposed to somebody like me earlier in life. My parents wanted to enroll me in Hebrew school, but no Hebrew school in my native Toronto would have me. They said I couldn't, um, I couldn't uh, do a double program, but I was able to handle graduate school degrees when it was still possible to learn at a university. I have a master's at the uh, University of Toronto. I know that my social and professional life would have been much easier if people were accustomed to seeing people like me. I have a lot of sympathy for Bethany, but there are also societal externalities to consider. Any thoughts on, on, on this observation?
1: So I think that people have um, not quite an accurate view of homeschooling as being very secluded and in the home. My children are out all the time, meeting people all the time of all different. I think that the social interactions that we have in school, I've said it before, are very artificial. Um, And my children have experience being friends with kids of all different colors, all different stripes all different needs, um, you know, external to school. Uh, So I I think that
0: there's, you know. Um, This is once again from Jennifer Malvin, but I think it's a good question. Uh, Regarding costs, perhaps there are tax deductions that come with homeschooling? Are there financial advantages? No,
1: I mean, it depends on the state, but no. Unless you live in Arizona, maybe Florida, but I think just Arizona. Okay. I I wish.
0: Uh, uh, Let's see what else do we have um, here. Um, uh, I'm not going to ask you if you have housekeeping help. Um, uh, Let's.
1: I'm happy to answer that question. Go Um, ahead. So I have uh, I have cleaning ladies who come theoretically every other week, but we're doing construction on our house, and I haven't seen them in two months. And. I've been like coughing a lot and I couldn't figure out why. And then I, I moved my, my nightstand and I realized I really should have been dusting back there, which I didn't, haven't done in two and a half months. So yes, I have, I have
0: theoretically, but. Is there, at what point do you envision your children going to normal schools? University? Um,
1: It depends on the kid. It really does. And it depends on what they want in their kid. I, my oldest, I could see her going earlier than that. I could see her going maybe in middle, late middle school, early high school, maybe Mm -hmm. earlier. I mean, it really depends on the kid. Um, my older son and maybe my middle, I mean, my middle son, I think it's too early to tell, um, my older son, I could see him going straight. Um, the, it, it's very overwhelming for him being in group settings like that for an entire day and camp is barely tolerable for him.
0: Um, and, and what, do you have any sense, I know this is a little far into your future, but believe me, it's not so far, um, uh, of how homeschooled kids do in university settings. Is there any information anecdotally or or data-driven on on their performance?
1: yeah so the the data is quite good um with the caveat that a lot of families homeschool for one of two reasons and I'm actually going to answer another question an anonymous person asked about kids with special needs yeah. a lot of people um, homeschool because the special needs uh sort of services are not adequate in the, in the schools public or private and so they decide to to take it home and have a one-on-one ratio with their kid. Um, and so, it's hard to get a good look at the data because neurotypical children tend to Excel, but it's, you're mixing that in with a, a pretty large group of kids who have special needs who are homeschooling because of their special needs. So it's, it's hard to get an accurate measure. Um, anecdotally, I can tell you when I worked, uh, when I worked, you know, in an office, I could usually tell the kids that were homeschooled and, um, And, and people say it to me now with my children. Wow. They make eye contact. Wow. They're really, they're really smart and inquisitive. And, um, and they, they don't, because they don't spend their days with only kids, exactly their age. um, They're sort of not just verbally, but demeanor wise uh, different. I think, I mean, I don't know. I've never sent them to school, so I don't, I don't have anything to compare it to,
0: but. Um, Britt Simantov asks, how do you shift from parent to teacher to parent?
1: So um, that's a question I think that has come up a few times. and um, the answer is I don't. I don't I don't have like different hats. Um, the best example that I can give you is uh, when I'm talking to my kids and I say, I need you to go take a bath right now and I need you to go brush your teeth. It's the same voice that I'm saying, I need you to sit down and do your language arts right now. Thank you. It's the, it's it's parenting full time. And so sometimes final, we fight about the brushing of the teeth and the language arts.
0: Final question uh, comes again from Jennifer Malvin. Uh, the most positive aspect of homeschooling in a sentence and the most negative.
1: So... I think it's the same answer. We're always together.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I think that's a very good way to conclude this conversation. Uh, Bethany, thank you for uh, this conversation. I think um, uh, I, I'm, I'm confident that the people who've been listening in feel uh, as uh, as I do that you're clearly an extraordinary communicator and an extraordinary, even more extraordinary uh, parent. I think your kids, uh, are lucky to have you as teacher and 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 mom and and just uh, speaking as the editor of Sapir, we are very lucky to uh, have you um, as as an author in our pages and proud to have you uh, in our pages. Again, it's uh, Sapir, uh, published uh, by the Maimonides Fund on a uh, quarterly basis. The current issue is on education. All of our issues revolve around a single uh, theme. We will have other conversations. Uh, on the theme of, um, uh, of education in the, in, in, in the coming weeks. So those who were part of this conversation, I hope you join us for uh, future ones. And our seventh issue will be on the subject of cancellation so stay tuned for uh, stay tuned for that Bethany um, all the best and uh, best of luck with uh with uh, child number number six I hope thank everybody...
1: you and if folks want to um, email me I don't if you Google me you'll find my Twitter account it's Bethany Shandark my email address is that at gmail.com Bethanyshondark at gmail.com so feel free to email
0: okay. Thanks again. I hope you have a lovely rest of your afternoon. Thank you.
1: Take care.